Drink This Beer is brought to you by The Beer Guys. BeerGuysRadio.com is where you need to go to get the scoop on what's going on in craft beer. That's BeerGuysRadio.com. And if you like the show, consider becoming one of our sponsors. Head to Patreon.com slash BeerGuys. That's Patreon.com slash BeerGuys. Welcome to Drink This Beer, a show dedicated to craft beer and the people who make it. Each episode, we'll get the stories behind the brews you love. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? And welcome to Drink This Beer. It's the podcast that talks to the people around the country and around the world that brew the beer that you love to drink. I'm Aaron Williams. And I'm Tim Dennis. And on this show, we're talking with Lucas Simmons. Lucas is the co-founder and brewmaster of Lucky Town Brewing out of Jackson, Mississippi. And here they are, the first microbrewery in Jackson since Prohibition. Huh. How about that? Lucas, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Well, first, it's the easiest question in the world. What got you into craft beer? Um, you know, it's easy but complicated. Um, my later years in college, uh, I quit drinking quite a, the, the gallons and gallons of massive of cheap beer and started buying better six-packs of imports and, uh, you know, the few craft things we had, which was very, very, uh, you know, not very much was here back in those days. That was 2003. Um, so basically you had, uh, you had like, what, Sam Adams and uh, maybe like a Rogue, if you're lucky, or something like that? Uh, a couple Rogues. I remember Dead Guy, Sierra Nevada Bell and Sam Adams, and I think that was pretty much the majority of the craft beers you get in this city, besides Abita, which has always been a staple of Yeah. I think most people don't even think of a beat of being really craft because they've been around for so long and they're so big, but, you know, they are. Um, so that, that was kind of it, but I started drinking better stuff like that, and then I started traveling a lot more right after college and uh, drinking what I could find and quickly went into to home brewing, uh, as many people do. Um, I like to joke that it was uh, me and a coworker of mine at Nissan that started home brewing on a Saturday we finally had off, and uh, we, we, we do whatever engineers do and we can't find what we want. We just built it. Uh, so we started making everything we couldn't get our hands on, and I just took off from there. Yeah, it seems like everybody, of course, kind of gets that bug, and they're like, you know what? I want to brew the beer that I want to drink, and I can't find it here, so I'm going to try and make it. And I, oh, yeah. I hear that a lot, yeah. Well, that's, that's how it got started. There you go. That's everybody. Yeah, so many people we see that, that get into it from other careers, and beer just kind of calls them. The call of the wild. And it seems that engineers more more so than anyone, anybody else. Yeah, engineers are a big group. Lawyers, oddly, Aaron. We've talked to a lot of lawyers that have ended up opening their own breweries there. Because so. no one wants to be a lawyer. I guess so. <laughs> Beer sounds much better, right? So exactly. Absolutely. Now, Lucas, when did your brewery officially open? I saw 2012 and 2014. Okay, well, so we opened uh, the brewing company in 2012. And we're actually brewing, uh, contract brewing over at uh, Back 40 Beer Company in Gaston, Alabama. Now, we got our spot open to the public in uh, 2014, so we're coming up on our three-year anniversary now. Okay, very cool, very cool. Now, when when you guys opened up there, you were actually, the, as we mentioned, the first brewery in Jackson since Prohibition, and you were either the second or third in the state of Mississippi, right? Well, so, uh, and if you just look at your timeline, so we are the first uh, packaging microbrewery since Prohibition. There's been uh, two brew pubs in town. They, they were probably way too early in the, the game for what they were and both failed. Um, we were the second brewing company to open in the state of Mississippi. I think we're officially, though, the sixth facility that was open, five or six. Maybe it was four. I quit keeping up with it. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, once they start moving like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Crooked Letter opened uh, their facility in Southern Prohibition before us. 
and there may have been one more. I think maybe Yalabusha got open either right before or right after us. But, you know, you're, you're slicing hairs there at yeah. that point. So, and of course, you've got uh, Lazy Magnolia, too. They've been open for a little while, too. Oh, yeah. So they're, they're our founders, and they pioneered the industry in the yeah. state. Uh, you know, and, and when I say pioneer, I really meant it. That when they first started uh, thinking about opening a brewery, when they went to the Secretary of State, thought it was illegal, and uh, they basically proved <laughs> That's it. That's a good start, right? To, to move forward with it. So they basically actually did pioneer basically all of the interpretations that allow breweries to exist in the state. So they 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 plowed through all of it for the rest of them. Because and people may not know this, we actually just found this out a couple of weeks ago. Mississippi was the last state uh, to to uh, ratify, you know, to end prohibition, and it was 1966 yep. actually before they did that. That's crazy. So. 1966. Yeah, I've actually uh, I've got stories from my dad when he was uh, 12 years old back in 1962, driving my grandfather down to the what they called the Gold Coast in Jackson, yeah. which is where they did all of the the whiskey trading underground. How about that? That's awesome. Yeah, as late right. as 19, you know, you always think about that. You always see like the bootleggers and the you know the Al Capones and those types of things. Sure. The 60s. Yeah. That's That's, I've heard stories of my my grandfather in the 40s in North Carolina, but the 60s, that seems pretty recent history to be uh, bootlegging underground whiskey trading there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're a little slow to do things down here most times. Now, you know, along those lines, you know, we, we all live in the South here. We're over in Atlanta, which is, you know, more progressive than a lot of areas. But Alabama, Mississippi, you know, Florida, all through the area there, the South is known to be a little more conservative in that. But I got to say, Lucas, it seems Mississippi's really holding on to that as as far as that goes. Why do you think? Why do you think in Mississippi there's been kind of a resistance to that change and that growth? Well, so you've got a couple factors here, and, and uh, some of this is speculation, some of this is fact, and, and you just kind of have to take my word for it. But one is, uh, especially in the craft beer industry, is is the vast majority of our state legislatures are. Um, older, they've been in office for a very long time. They do not drink craft beers. They don't know what it is. They don't understand the industry whatsoever. Uh, at least that's the case three or four years ago, um, until Razor Pint started raising a fuss about we need to up the ABV cap, we need to, to legalize home brewing, and a lot of them have actually gotten into it. And they, you know, we we have a legislative reception at the brewery every year to try to educate them on what's happening and, and what's good for the industry. And you know, on top of that, it's just. We're, we're, we went up against a, a bunch of businesses that have been around for a hundred years um, that weren't really either in favor of what we were trying to do or didn't quite understand it. And when it comes to lobbying and doing everything else, we're all young to this. It's, the longer you know somebody that's down in the capital, the more sway you've got with them, obviously. So, you know, they're coming around. It's just, it takes time. And, and our industry is very, very young here. So, you had one brewery for the longest time with the, the Hendersons at Lazy Magnolia raising the stink, and, and one brewery they're just not going to listen to. Now yeah, you got sure. eleven operating, and, and you know, so we. Uh, but the biggest thing that helped us is we got uh, the Mississippi Manufacturers Association behind us last year, and that's when it kind of legitimized our industry uh, to the legislature. So you know, they saw it as if these guys are behind it. You know, it's the biggest, I guess, most powerful lobbying arm as far as an association in the state of Mississippi. If they're behind it then it must be something we need to listen to. And then we got the Mississippi Hospitality and Restaurant Association behind it, and that's when it really started to sway our way. And then, you know, we got our distribution network. We sat down with them and figured out the problems they had with it. And they had some lot of concerns, and, you know, we, we fulfilled their concerns as best we could with still getting what we kind of wanted. Is it perfect? No, but it's still light years past where we were, and it, it's a good thing for all parties involved. 
Well, yeah. that's something, you know, so many of these, and especially in the South, so many of these Southern states, because, you know, we're in Atlanta here in Georgia, but there's a lot of lawmakers that aren't Atlanta, you know, so where we think are so right. progressive and forward-moving because of where we are, there's a lot of the state that, that doesn't think that way. So, uh, you know, we talk about the changes there, and there's a soundbite that we actually use on our so- show from uh, Alvin Holmes, a lawmaker in Alabama, and he says, what's wrong with the beer we got? You know, and, oh, I've used that so many times. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's and, right. but that's the attitude of a lot of these older southern states. You know, why do we need craft breweries? What's the point of this? And it really is about educating even lawmakers right. in that to, to make these kind of changes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when, when Razor Pints, uh, and, and same thing happened over in Alabama with Alvin Holmes, but when Razor Pints is trying to raise the ABV cap here, I mean, most people just, they didn't understand what that meant. They thought Budweiser was going to come 9% alcohol, and all the high school kids were going to be get drunker five times faster. It's like, you know, that's not what's happening here. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah, so we've, we've always said that before. It's like, yeah, you know that the high school kid's going to be hanging out at the bottle shop asking for those barrel-aged, uh, right. you yeah. know, stouts. It, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's the biggest problem in the South, and I'm sure y'all deal with this all the time. It's just purely education of what's happening. I mm-hmm. mean, we have people all the time that deliver packages or, or you know, a truck driver or just random people that are down there in every the pop in and they'll ask, what beer do you make here, Corona, Budweiser? And it's like, no, we just make our own. <laughs> yeah. It just it blows their mind. They don't understand that at all. Now, you still have some law. You guys beat us by a couple of months, and congratulations to that. When I was over there, you Thank showed you. me your beer, I think it was called Old Number 49. Is that right, Lucas? That is, that's right. That's right. So Old taking a little 49. stab at Georgia there with their number 49, right. they beat yeah. us. And you know what? Congratulations. Well, we're, we're glad to see it for you. That one really wasn't the stab at Georgia. We did a taproom-only beer, and this one was the stab at Georgia, just picking it as fun. We did a version of it that was soured and aged on peaches, and we called it <laughs> Georgia. That sounds like a good beer. I would drink that <laughs> yeah. beer. Yeah. It turned out pretty good. That good stuff. We had some lady stop by last week, and she said, I'm coming to see you anyway, even though I don't understand the suck at Jordan thing. When I complain, <laughs> yeah. you got a good laugh out of it. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, you guys, you still have a few laws. I know you mentioned trying to get your uh, your alcohol levels changed. The info I, sent, I found showed you guys are 8%. It's actually ABW there, right, alcohol by weight? Right, right. So we're at 10.3 ABV. Um, you know, you can – calculate that differently for a million different things, but our Department of Revenue has calculated that as 10.3 ABV. So, not great, but it is better than what it used to be, and it still allows us to do, you know, 95% of beer style if we want to. Sure, and you actually have some beers that go right up to that, some stouts in that that hit right at the 10.3, correct? We do, we do. We, we've done, uh, so our Flare Infinite Stout, which is uh, our winter seasonal, and it's just our general stout, we do a double version of it, and it, it pops right at 10.3. Uh, came a little too close for comfort, honestly, because if it, yeah. it fermented out a little bit more, it would have not have been able to sell it in the state of Mississippi. But we try to get up there with a few things, um, you know, as best we can. And what was your cap before it was raised? Uh, so it was 5% uh, by weight, so Ooh. 6.25 by volume. That's so, yeah, tough. cut out uh, about 85% of the beer made yeah. in the world. And that's something not to get too far off topic here, but having these ABV limits raised, ours in Georgia is 14%. You know, Ohio just eliminate theirs all together this year. You're not going to see a lot of people rushing out to make 15 16 17% beers. They're labor-intensive. Okay. They're expensive. You know, the consumer market for those kinds of beers is small because – if you do have a 17, 18% beer, it's going to be barrel aged to help, you know, with the flavor in that, or it's just going to be too hot to drink. Yeah. It's going to cost you And it's going bucks, to be 30 gonna, bucks yeah. or more. You know, high school oh, kids yeah, are not going to buy a $30 bottle 
of beer to get drunk on there. So not in most parts of the South. I mean, we've got some severe, severe, uh, you know, beer geeks in here that that buy all those nineteen percent Black Tuesdays from the brewery in South Carolina, uh, Southern California. Yeah, now we're talking. But you know, there's four of those guys. (laughs) That's not going to support a local brewery trying to do it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, we're talking to uh, Lucas from. Uh, Lucky Town Brewing in Jackson, Mississippi. You're listening to Drink This Beer. We're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be back right after this. More Drink This Beer with Tim and Aaron coming up after this. Here at Drink This Beer, we love to bring you the stories behind the craft beer and brewers that you love. And we'd be grateful if you took the time out to check out our Patreon site. It's at patreon.com slash beerguys. If you choose to become one of our donors, we would really appreciate it. Plus, you get some awesome swag, including T-shirts, glasses, stickers, and some more stuff that's coming down the pike. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer, part of the Beer Guys Radio Network. Tell a friend and head to patreon.com slash beerguys. Cheers. Welcome back to Drink This Beer with your hosts, Tim and Aaron. And welcome back to the Drink This Beer Craft Beer Podcast. And we're talking with Lucas Simmons. Lucas is with Lucky Town Brewing in Jackson, Mississippi. Thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, listen, uh, let's talk a little bit about your beer. Um, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Mississippi and uh, how it's kind of a little bit slow to grow, and, 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 and that's the way it is. You've got, um, again, a pretty good tap list. Uh, tell us about what are some, what are some of your best sellers. Um, it's very it's a good bit. Uh, Ballistic Blonde is our number one overall seller. Uh, Belgian-style Blonde Ale, you know, it, it's, it's right at 5.1%. It's got all those wonderful uh, phenols and ester flavor, but it, it's not overpowering, you know. Uh, so it, that is our number one beer. A lot of people just fall into it, There's but there's still a handful of people that obviously don't like that Belgian profile and kind of stay away from it. Um, other than that, this one was actually a very big surprise to us when uh, when I came up with it for Beast It. Uh, goes with gambling is one of our best, and it is. Oh, yeah, Goza. that's and good. I, I did not think that would sell that well in, in in Mississippi, but it's it is blown away. It is, it's, I mean, people just love it once they uh, get used to the flavor profile. That's interesting. Now, that's something I was going to ask you, Lucas. You mentioned people stopping in and saying, hey, what do you brew here, Budweiser, you know, this and that. <laughs> I, I could see that and was going to ask you, do you get a lot of people coming in there thinking, they're going to get light lagers or those types of beers or expecting that to be what you have. I wouldn't say expecting, maybe wanting. Okay, um, we do yeah. A little, we do a lot of events, um, you know, whether they're corporate events or, you know, a wedding shower or something. So there's a lot of people that all the time we get people there's never stepped foot in a craft brewery, they've never been in a brewery period, and they come in and it's like, well, I don't know what to drink. All right, so what do you normally drink? Nicola Ultra. Well, I don't have anything but that instead of water. Uh, <laughs> try this. And, you know, and we'll, we'll get them a flight or we'll let them taste a few things and, and kind of see where they're going. And nine times out of ten, we get something that they'll enjoy. And then just occasionally, there's just people that just can't handle that much flavor. They're not a big beer person to begin with. And they just, until they drink Nick Ultra, it does just, just water. So They can't handle Flavortown. That's right. They can't handle it. Have you considered collaborating with Guy Fieri to bring Flavortown to Lucky Town? <laughs> That would be awesome, actually. You, you have now, that. yes, absolutely. <laughs> You'd have to add, like, hot peppers or something and just a spiky hair, I think it would be the thing. So, yeah, yeah so. you've got to let me drive a Camaro, though. Yeah, there absolutely. You go. <laughs> so, so one of the beers, uh, when Tim was uh, back in Mississippi, he brought back some of your stuff, and uh, the one I really enjoyed was Flare Incident. Um, you know, it was a really nice roasty, but it wasn't too overpowering. I had it right in the middle of summer, and it felt like it was a good summer beer even though you know you wouldn't think of that style uh to be a summer beer but i really enjoyed it 
I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's designed to be a, a very approachable stout, and we tried to. It was our second beer we ever released, and we tried to actually change people's perceptions of the stouts because. Uh, 99.99% of the people in Mississippi, when they think stout, they think Guinness, and most of it, just they just don't like it. It's too bitter, it's too dry, um, so we put it out there. Now, unfortunately, it's still a stout, and it's Mississippi in the summer, just like it is over there. It's just too hot. Yeah. Most people still won't drink it, and that's why we moved it, just to be a winter seasonal. But we have tons of people that'll come in, or we'll see them at beer festivals, and they'll try it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, you know, open your mind. Dark beer's not, it's not one thing. It's a lot of things. Try them now. Saying a winter seasonal in Mississippi can be a little bit misleading too, because I've been. Uh, it gets I've been at sixty-five degrees. Yeah, I've been in Mississippi at Christmas <laughs> right. when it's t-shirt and shorts weather there. So that's well, so uh, winter seasonal for us is, is you know December and a little bit of January, yeah. and right after summer three, but before summer one. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, and you do uh, you do some variants on that flare incident as well, correct? We do, we do. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a base for pretty much anything we're going to do with stouts. Very good. Yeah, we tried the the hot coffee. That was uh that was really nice uh, that we brought over here. Really enjoyed that one. So now, uh, what's in store for the future there at Lucky Town? Uh, a lot of stuff. So we upgraded our pilot system to a two barrel. So we're doing. Uh, I think we've knocked out three different batches on it so far, and we're about to start adding some equipment to it to do more, uh, just so we can we can have a lot more varied product out there. Uh, you know, we, we've got some big beers coming out. We're going to start doing some hand bottling. We just released a, a, a very fun project, which is a, what we call single barrel. Um, so we, we took the base for hot coffee, so a double flare incident, and we aged it 13 different bourbon barrels. Um, we have all 10 variants of four rows of single barrel, and we're hand bottling it one by one so you can actually taste how the different bourbons affect the beer. I'll be right over. Um, Okay, and that's done. Okay. So we, we've, we've got two of those already done, and we're going to slowly release them out to the fall. We're doing a, a bourbon barrel age, barrel dark, uh, Belgian dark strong for our anniversary in November. You know, just a lot more beer, honestly. Uh, we pride ourselves on not focusing on any one style or any type of beer or anything in general. You know, we're not going to go all hoppy. We're not going to go all not hoppy. We're not going to go all Belgian or Trappist. Uh, we want to make, and since we're especially we're the only brewery in Jackson, Mississippi, we try to make something for everybody. And our goal is, if someone comes in and they don't know exactly what they like, at the end of the ta- end of the tap list, they're going to find something they want. Now, Lucas, um, are you distributing outside of Mississippi now too? We are. We cover all of Alabama now, or at least the the big beer markets of Alabama. I should say all of Alabama um, and Memphis, Tennessee, and we're. We've been kind of working to where we're going next, but uh, you know it's it's a very overcrowded market right now, and it's yeah. kind of hard not being the local guy going places. So we're taking our time and making sure we make the right relationship choice of distributors and make the right choice of we know we know we can actually sell some beer. We got Mississippi obviously has lots of connections with Alabama, so that's been a pretty easy transition because there's so many people that either lived here at one point or are from here or went to college here that are back over there in the major cities. So. That's been it's been good for us there in Memphis. Is, it's fairly easy, but you know we we're probably not going to get too much further out from that just because of uh, the way the industry is going. Yeah, it's got to, it's hard. You know, we we talk about this all the time. Is this the battle for shelf space over the years has been, gotten so tough? You know, there's so many breweries popping up, and you just you come sometime you come to a really good craft beer store, you're overwhelmed. You know, about how many right. different brands are out there. Well. And it's gotten to the point where it's not good enough just to make good beer. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's there's a high percentage of the 5,300 some odd breweries we have in the United States that are making awesome beer. So 
you're not local and your beer is just as awesome as somebody else that is local, well, you should be pushed off the shelf. That's just a part of it. And then, you know, the other side of the coin is the the big guys buying up all of these breweries and putting them in national distribution. You know, that's a problem we have in Mississippi is yeah. all of these newly acquired ones are getting shoved down our throat and just filling up shelf space, and we have to keep fighting back for that shelf space as those things sit there and rot. Or, you know, some of them sell, some of them don't, just depending on what it is. But they're still, they're just going to keep hitting it with a new one and hitting it with a new one. And, you know, it's something that everybody in the United States is having to deal with right now, and unfortunately that's going to kill a few of us. Yeah, and I've noticed that more and more, on the, especially on the grocery store shelves and those types of things. You, the craft beer section is amazingly a lot of AB InBev beers. That, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And especially uh, the national chains. Uh, we deal with that with uh, Kroger here. We got yep. kicked out of seven of our 12 local Krogers because they were bringing in Golden Road and uh, I think making space for Tin Barrel or whatever else is coming next from them. And it's tough because they can run two 12-packs for $11, you know, or that's an exaggeration. But I've seen a lot of places that bring it in, and not only do they have a lot of these big beer-owned brands, but they can run deals that just wouldn't be financially viable for a craft brewery like you guys. Yeah, loss leaders oh, like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, that would be – that's always and, tough, yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's just the hard part. And, you know, the luckily, I guess, especially down here, is the true craft beer drinkers, they know what it costs, and they're not scared to spend 9 or $10 on a six-pack to get something that they want over this other stuff from the other side of the country that's a couple bucks cheaper, you know, but – you're always going to have that where, you know, like we've been in restaurants where we've got people that love our stuff and they sit there and drink it, and then they go right back to buying that $5 bucket of Miller Lite because it's $5 for six Miller Lite. Yeah. So that's, just, that's always going to be there, and that's, you know, that's, that's okay. We can deal with that. You know, Lucas, that was one thing I noticed visiting the different places in Jackson was uh, even the places that did do craft beer, they still seem to have a pretty heavy focus on macro, most of them. And uh, I went yeah. to, to LD's Beer Run, the the bottle shop there. That's a great name, by the way. Yeah, make a beer run. <laughs> I love and, it. And they had a great craft selection and very knowledgeable guys. But as soon as you walk in, they had one of those ice tables with 16-ounce cans of, of well, macro beers iced down right there. That was the first thing you went to there. So, You know, those guys, you know, and, and that's just a, a part of where we're at. You know, right. Those guys, they're not in the best neighborhood in town, I think you probably realized. Uh, they're not in a bad neighborhood by any means, but it's kind of an older part of town that's, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say bad, I wouldn't say good, but there, there's a lot of people there, that's just what they drink, and they know that, and they, they cater to them, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You'll be sitting there having a bottle share, and a group of three or four older guys will come in there, and they'll snatch up a couple 24-ounce Bud Lights, but they're probably paying more there than they would at the gas station next door, but they're okay with that. They like those guys, and they just get on back to the house. Yeah, got got to break that cycle though. See, that's always the, sometimes the guys oh, yeah. though that like they they get what they get and they that's all they want. That's it. Yeah, have them cold and ready, man, ready to go. Well, you know, you, you you do it one at a time, and uh, you know we'll, we'll I think as more breweries open up down here, it'll be we've seen it in the last four or five months, especially since the law changed, uh, and, and more people that we've never seen before coming into the brewery, coming to our events, coming to kind of check out what we're doing and drinking better beer. No, that's, and that's yeah, like you said, it's just a process. You know, Mississippi fought the laws for so long. You're changing now and there, and Mississippi is a uh, an old Southern conservative Christian state, and uh, okay. you know, getting the new generation for those types of attitudes to change uh, will take a while. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, and we have uh, the best thing we have going in Jackson is we have a large contingent of uh, I guess my generation, our generation. You know, these these 
30 to 40 year olds that have moved back into town. Either they grew up here and they're moving back, or we have a lot of transplants moving down here for job opportunities. And they're, they're kind of changing, uh, you know, the, the political statements of the, 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 where we're at. They're changing the, the, you know, how people eat, how people drink, how, you know, what you do on a weekend. And then that's a good thing to an extent. It's, it's still though, and it's very strange here. Jackson is, is for the most part very liberal and very progressive. And as soon as you cross county lines, you go to the most ultra conservative right wing <laughs> place on the planet. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that happens in Atlanta, Atlanta too. So, uh, so definitely. I can imagine. Yeah. I can well, imagine. Uh, Lucas Simmons uh, from Lucky Town. If uh, folks want to keep in touch with you guys, what's the best way to do it? Uh, Facebook. Uh, so we we stay fairly active on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as much as possible. You know, we, our website's a good resource. But to keep up with every single thing we're doing, get on Facebook. We do have a mailing list. We we don't people to death we just kind of send that email when we have a new release or something going on at the brewery but uh that's the best way to keep up with us and then come see us if you're in town awesome lucas simmons from lucky town brewing thanks so much for joining us appreciate it yes sir thanks for having me absolutely well thanks for listening to drink this beer if you like this show please don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher or wherever you get your podcast also check out our other show which is beer guys radio we put that out every week as well so check us out on the socials and again drink local have a great one we'll talk to you later thanks for listening to drink this beer don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes stitcher or wherever you get your podcast more beer stories head to beerguysradio.com Follow the Beer Guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Want more craft beer news? Listen to the Beer Guys radio show, available every Saturday morning. Drink This Beer, produced and developed by Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams, part of the Beer Guys Media Radio Network, beerguysradio.com.